Good evening. How are you guys doing? Surprise, me again. They didn't, uh, they didn't fire me after last week. Um, so, yeah, second week, I'm up here. Last week, Kyle Easley was supposed to preach. Then he had a baby. And then this week, Danny Combs was supposed to preach, but I think maybe he had a baby too. I don't know what Danny's doing. I don't know what's going on with the staff here. Um, but uh, I'm Joe. I'm the resident staff here. Uh, and we're, we're still in Ephesians. We're still in Ephesians. We're, uh, we're out of the doxology. We're out of the, the praise that Paul gave. We're in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 15 through 23. Let me pray for us before we get into this. Lord, I ask you'd, you'd be with us right now. Lord, I ask that uh, you would guard me from saying something foolish. Uh, Lord, protect me from that. Lord, I ask that you would uh, just empower me right now so I can speak, speak something true, something from you. Lord, we just, uh, we want to hear from you. We need you. I pray that you would begin to make us attentive to what you're doing, what you're speaking to us, Holy Spirit. I ask you to be with us right now. Lord, you would be with us, opening our eyes, Lord. Opening our eyes to who you are. We need to see who you are, Jesus. We need to see that. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're we're out of uh, we're out of the doxology. Now we're into uh, Paul's prayer. Paul's about to pray, or he's about to say what he's been praying for the Ephesians. Um, this is very much two parts. Uh, just so you know, this week and next week, uh, really. Uh, Really, it, the parts are, we're starting in 15, but really, it, it's all one continuous thought uh, through, all the way through chapter 2, verse 10, uh, all the way through. So the, the part we're reading now is the prayer, and then after that is the application. They are a mirror. So the first part we're going to be looking at tonight is Christ's power and position. That's what we're looking at. And next week, we are looking at our power in our position in Christ. So this very much sets up uh, what, Christ, what Christ looks like, uh, some of his power, his authority, and uh, that's, that's what we're going to be focusing on quite a bit. Uh, and tonight's really going to be in two, ooh, two, two, two main things I'm going to talk about. The first is actually uh, pursuing. Paul's going to talk about uh, the eyes of their hearts being enlightened. We're going to talk about that for a bit. Is it, is it echoing every time over? What is it about this place, this section? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you guys again uh, over here. So, uh, so it's about uh, power and position, Christ. Next week is what it is for us. So I'm going to try and paint a picture, first of all, what it's like to pursue that, to have this enlightenment in your heart uh, that Paul's going to talk about, that he wants them to have, and then... Uh, and then I'm going to try and paint a picture of who Jesus is, his authority, his power. Uh, last week I was all over the place uh, in different tr- scriptures trying to pr- purposely old the New Testament back up some of the things that I was, was, was saying. Uh, this week we're going to be just in Ephesians, and then at the end we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Not Genesis. I know it's cross point. Not Genesis, but Revelation 4 and 5. Just so you know, if you want to go ahead and flip there or mark the pages or whatever. So let's... Uh, Anyways, let's, let's read this. Let's read this as we get into it. So verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15. 
For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then verse 17, here's, here's what he's been praying for the Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's quite a few verses. Last few weeks, we've been doing like two verses at a time, one verse. So that's, that's quite a bit to cover. And then again, this is, this is a mirror. What I just read, what you just read, is a mirror to chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. I know it's a new chapter, but it's the same thought. It is a reflection from who Christ is to who we are now. So again, we're going to be talking about that, what that means. So, uh, <clears throat> so let's go back here. We're going to talk about uh, what it means to, to seek that, to seek some of this, this stuff Paul's praying for. Uh, so, uh, verse, verse 17. Verse 17. This is his prayer. May, may he give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So, Paul is wanting them, he is begging God that the Ephesians would pursue, pursue in a different way, that they would be enlightened in a different way. And so he's not talking about salvation. These folks are saved. These folks are saved. They've got the Spirit. They've got salvation. They know about Jesus. They know who Jesus is. And he just said, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love towards all the saints. And then here he's saying, but I want you to be enlightened. He's talking about something different, something different. And I want to try and explore some of that. I want to try and explore some of that. So, uh, so by nature, by nature, this enlightenment in the heart, the eyes of your heart enlightened, uh, that's a, such an interesting statement. That is, that is something that happens from within. That is something that I can't control, that you can't control. Because of that, it's something that the Spirit does. He wants the Spirit to give you wisdom and a revelation. He wants the Spirit to give the Ephesians a revelation. He wants to give them wisdom. So I want to, I want to talk to you a bit about what that looks like. Maybe what pursuing that looks like. Uh, I was talking to Terrell today, and he, he wanted me to share some stories. So I'm going to try and share a story about that, about what that looks like. So, so here, I grew up here, uh, a lot of my prayers growing up were, were very much, uh, Lord, thank you for the food. Thank you very much, that chicken looks nice. And uh, yeah, well, I was thankful. 
It's very good chicken. Um, uh, and then the other one is, uh, Lord, keep me safe. You know, keep me safe, you know, uh, while we travel or while we're, you know, doing whatever. Uh, when you're playing sports or whatever, Lord, help us win, you know. We pray for that on the football field, too. Um, so my prayers were kind of that way. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to always, I'm going to refer to San Francisco and City Impact all the time. It's where uh, a lot of things changed for me, and I want to talk about uh, some of that. So in San Francisco, I met uh, these people who pursued God in a way that I had never seen before. Uh, never, never. Like something out of the Bible, some of it. Uh, it's founded by a guy named Roger Wong. Um, they call him, uh, he's, he's, he's known for, for fasting for like long periods of time, like 30 days, 40 days. And he would dress, when I met him, he would dress all in black uh, so that you actually couldn't see like where his waistline was and where his stomach was, so you couldn't tell how long he'd been fasting. He was always, he's just always dressed in black. We thought he was cool. Uh, you know, his kids called him the, the Chinese Johnny Cash, uh, and he, he, but he fasted all the time, and he'd been doing this for, for decades uh, in this ministry in the Tenderloin, uh, which is a really rough area, and he would fast and pray and seek God and seek the Spirit to do things, and then the Spirit would do them. Uh, again and again, and he instilled this culture of prayer and fasting and praying and pursuing God uh, in a way that I had never seen before or experienced. And I believe that's, that's some of what Paul is talking about, this enlightening in your heart, the eyes of your heart. And that's something that the Spirit does. I remember... Uh, man, Roger had all these stories. He had one story about, about fasting and praying because this school building he had was about to, was about to be, he, he was about to not be able to pay for it. He's about to, all, everything was about to close down for the, all these kids in this terrible neighborhood weren't about to have a place to go to school. He started fasting and praying and then like all of a sudden like checks started coming in. People started hearing about him and like writing him like $10,000 checks, $20,000 checks. He's got a story about uh, being called uh, by some old Chinese lady and She's like, hey, come to my house. And he comes to the house, and like her husband had made all this money in China, which, and he made it all in gold, and then he held on to it. He said, God told me to hold on to this, and then he told me to give it to you. And he like gives Roger like a duffel bag full of gold. <laughs> what? Like Stuff like that would happen. Uh, and then, man, it, it, it leaked over. It leaked over into everybody. Uh, everybody at any point would be fasting, be praying, uh, and it, it wasn't a big deal. I remember here uh, fasting. The only time I ever saw examples of it were like media fast, where you like wouldn't watch TV or listen to the radio, uh, or you did like this thing here. Uh, some churches did it called 24-hour famine, where you would play games uh, like all night, like 24 hours, and then you'd have like little like juice boxes or something. And at the end, you'd, everybody would feast. And so that was my exposure to praying and fasting. But here it was different. Everyone was praying so differently and pursuing, and then God answered these prayers all the time, all the time. And it was so different. I remember one time, one time I was with Adopted Building. We're about to go into this building to go give food for people, and there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and experienced a lot of demonic attacks. And then I prayed for, uh, I remember I prayed for, like, Lord, I did that prayer. Lord, keep me safe, you know, keep us safe while we're out there. And then another guy prayed, and he, like, countered my prayer. He was like, he goes, 
He goes, Lord, don't keep us safe, Lord. If you want us to be injured for the gospel, if you want us to get beat or killed in your name, Lord, let that happen. We're not afraid of anything that'll happen to us. And I was like, oh, you just countered my prayer. <laughs> the one I've been praying like my entire life for, you know, safety. Keep us safe while we play football and while we, you know, skateboard and while we do things that naturally are going to injure us. Uh, and it was, it was so different. And then I began to pursue that. I began to do that. Uh, I've got... Uh, I've got all these different like, little tattoos on me that mean different things. There's one here. It's this exit sign. And I remember I, I started praying all the time. And I would go to the adoptive building office and just sit in the dark. Uh, and all I could see was this exit sign. And I would just pray. I began to pray in a way that I had not prayed before. And it was just like, it was incredible. Uh, some of the time, some of the time, you know, I didn't get answers. Some of the time it was just so dry. And other times, man, I began to pursue and it was like, wow, this is incredible. And it was just because of what City Impact had done and what Roger had done. He had instilled this, you need to fast and pray and seek the Lord and he'll answer. He did. And it was just, so I had this reminder, man, to seek the Lord. And that, that's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, are you doing that? If Paul wants the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, how is that going to happen? It happens one way, and that is on your knees in prayer. I have to ask for this every day. Every day I am seeking that, that right there. Paul's prayer, I want to seek that every single day. And there's one way it happens, and that's in prayer. That's one way it happens, in prayer. Again, the only way you're going to ever have this enlightenment in your heart, the eyes of your, your, your heart opened, is going to be through prayer. That's the only way. The Spirit has to do it. You know, you're not going to have enough knowledge to do this. You've got to ask. You've got to pursue. You have to pursue that. And you have to push through. It's not always easy. It's difficult sometimes. It's so difficult. It's so dry. Sometimes you don't hear anything. You're not like, man, I just got through praying for like an hour and didn't do anything. But there are days where and it begins to break through. And that's something I pursue. I try to pursue. And it's something daily. It has to be done. Daily. And that's what I, what I push on you. What I ask you is, if you're wanting this to happen, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? So let me, let me get into two reasons to do that. And he gets into that. So what, like why, have a, why have a revelation? Why have this change inside? Why pursue why pursue the Spirit to do something different in me? And we're talking again about more than salvation. These folks are saved. He wants something different for them. He wants them to have a different perspective is what he wants. Let's look at that. Verse 18. Verse 18. The first thing, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The second one, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And we'll get to number three in a second. So he lists those things right there. He wants this enlightenment in them so they can know the hope to which they've been called and what, their, what his inheritance is in the saints, what Jesus' inheritance are, what are his, his glorious inheritance, which is me and you. He wants you to see that. He wants this picture to change where you see what's really happening, what you're really involved in, what's really important. Because so many times, it's easy to get distracted. That's why I have to pray about this daily, because my perspective changes. When I think about being the inheritance of Jesus, 
for all time. That changes things. That changes what I care about. But then like something creeps in and I begin to worry about bills or, I don't know, jobs or whatever's coming up your way, your classes. You begin to worry about something different. And in in reality, you're going to be with Christ forever, for eternity, for eternity. That's the perspective, the hope to which we've been called to be his inheritance who fills all in all. But then I'm so, I I get worried about stuff that just doesn't matter. And it looks different for each of you, I'm sure. I'm sure for some of you, though, for the one that's the most important probably in this room is probably money, be my guess. That's the one thing. And money's dangerous because you can't serve God in money. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus said it's really difficult for someone who's rich to get into heaven. Those are his words. He says that. I guess it's money. Either you're a broke college student and you don't have it and you're worried about it, or you're trying to get a career so that you will have money. It becomes... Everything becomes so important. Money is everything here in this culture. Everything. So important. There's this, there's this guy I like. His name's Bill Hicks. Uh, he's a comedian slash philosopher. And he said, he said, you think you're free in America? It's not about freedom. It's about money here. It's about money. You think you're free? Try going anywhere and leaving your wallet at home and see how far you get. Which isn't going to be far. As far as you can walk, or until your vehicle runs out of gas. It's all about money here. Money. And we get consumed by it. And I, I just talk about that extensively for a minute because my guess is that is the one that everyone here is dealing with, or will be dealing with. And your parents have sent you to SFA and told you to come here so you can get a good job so you don't have to worry about paying for bills, and then you can support your kids, and they're going to go to college, and then you know, then you've got to save up for retirement, and then you've got to what? You've got to die. Is that, is that what you are, the hope to which you've been called for? That you would work so hard for something that gives nothing in return in the end? Anyways, I'm done talking about money. I just need to talk about that for a minute with you. Money. Money. It'll make you its slave. Man. So how... How quickly does that perspective change where we shift, where we worry? Because it's inside, it's like I know who Jesus is and who I am in Jesus, and then that changes. And we even sing it. We sing, uh, we sing, uh, we, all, I always, we always switch it up. He is our portion and we are his prize. I'm not going to sing it here. Uh, but we, we sing that, don't we? We sing that with all, all of our heart. He is our portion and we are his prize. We sing that all the time, like almost every worship set that's in there somewhere. Uh, and is that true? Is that true? You let that change you. That you will inherit. And he will inherit. You'll inherit each other for all eternity. Let that change your perspective on this life. And that's what Paul wants. He wants this change in perspective to view him. The second, or the next part I want to talk about as far as a revelation of who, who Christ is and pursuing that is where he really is, positionally. Positionally. And Paul talks about him here uh, as a position at the right hand of the Father, which is a position of authority, which is what is intended here, 
But Jesus is somewhere locationally as well. He's in heaven right now. Uh, much of our perspective uh, on Jesus and what he looks like and what he does is taken from the Gospels. We have this view of uh, Jesus walking around doing miracles, uh, doing incredible teachings. He's walking here on earth. Or we have a more distorted view where he's like white, blue-eyed, light blonde hair, and he's real cool and maybe smokes weed. Uh, and it's, they're these twisted things. And they're, con- they're, they're, they're anyways, the, it's good to view him as this teacher. That's what we get. We get from movies about Jesus. We always see him while he's here on earth. And then in the Bible, we spend t- time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He's here on earth. The reality is that he is at the right hand of the Father and in control and in power right now. He's there. He's somewhere. He's there in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And that perspective changes things as well. You know, God is actually like looking right now. You believe that? That Jesus is somewhere locationally? That he's there and he actually sees you in this room. He sees us now. He's watching us now. He's watching us. He's looking. The prophet uh, Hananiah says that, that God's eyes go to and fro on the earth looking for anyone whose heart is towards him. He's looking in this room right now. That, that changes things, that perspective. And it's so easy to step out of that perspective. So easy to step out of it. So easy. So, let me read this one more time. So, so he wants, Paul wants them to have a revelation so that they can know the hope to which they're called for. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And then the next one is, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe? his immeasurable power towards those who believe according to the working of his great mind. And so now we're going to see he's, he's given these three things, the hope, the inheritance, and now the power. And when he talks about the power, he expands. He expands this point of what this looks like. It, the power that Jesus has, Paul equates to the same power that, that rose him from the dead, that he raised from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavens. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He has put all things under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's where he's been placed. It's where he's been put. That's the kind of power that he has. Next week, Terrell's going to get more into what that means uh, rule, authority, power, dominion, what Paul's actually trying to mean about the control that he has where Jesus penetrates and goes through every single form of control that there is. He goes straight through it. He has complete control over everything. Over everything. And he has been placed at the right hand of the Father. I, uh, I really want to paint, try and paint a picture of where Jesus is positionally and what his power looks like. And that's why we're going to go to Revelation. Um, We're going to go to Revelation chapter 4. 
4 and 5. So I'll let you turn there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this and uh, and talk from it some. So I, I feel like continually Scripture gives the best pictures. Uh, last week I talked about Stephen. I read it straight from Acts uh, about what happened with him. It's this incredible picture of being empowered and being regenerated. Hey, this is an incredible picture of where Christ currently is and how much power and authority has been handed over to him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing, just so you know, four and five. Um, it's a lot of reading. You can just listen. It's a pretty vivid picture, uh, or you can read along with me. Uh, so the verse, or chapter four is the throne room. It is a very vivid picture that John has of the throne room, the throne room of God, where God is right now. And then Jesus comes in. But chapter 4, starting there, we're going to read. Verse 1. Look, uh, excuse me. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. This is is, uh, the Apostle John, by the way, in like an incredible vision, uh, revelation. At once I was in the Spirit... That's okay. Uh, And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives for and ever, ever and ever, Uh, The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was, was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep 
loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Four and five. Chapter four and five. Paint an incredible picture of where Christ is. John is in the spirit whatever that means. And he is seeing these visions. He sees this like he's there. And he paints this picture of a throne room which has an appearance kind of like an emerald and it's kind of like sea of glass. And it's, like, it's not very definitive. He's like really struggling here to describe what he is seeing. And he, see, he says that there's someone s- sitting on the throne with a scroll in his hand, which is... I mean, when you think about that, God is sitting down. He's sitting down, and he's got something in his hand. He's sitting. God sits. And then an angel says, who's going to open this scroll? Who's going to do the will of God? Who's worthy to do that? And then it says, no one. Under the sea, in the earth, anywhere. No one's worthy to do the will of God. No one. And John starts crying. He starts weeping. Because he knows the will of God can't be done if those scrolls aren't opened. It can't be done. And then an elder comes up to him and says, weep no more. Don't weep anymore. Don't cry anymore, John. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And then Jesus walks into the throne room. And John describes him as a lamb. as a lamb who was slain. But he's a man walking. It's Jesus. He's painting him as a sacrificial lamb, which is exactly who he is. When the disciples see Jesus resurrected, you know, Thomas, there's a story about doubting Thomas. He said, I won't believe until I see the scars. Resurrected Christ has got the scars. He says, come here, put your hand in my side. Put your hand right here, fill this. 
And he says, no, he freaks out. He's still, still got the marks. That's why when Jesus walks into the throne room of God, he looks like a lamb who was slain. He's still got the marks. He'll have them forever. Forever. He will bear the price that he paid for his bride, his inheritance, forever. And Jesus, this is a part, so God's sitting down. Jesus walks up to God. He walks up to him and takes the scroll out of his hand. I can't think of anywhere else in the Bible where you see this kind of interaction with Jesus, the Son, walks up to the Father. I just can't get over that. I can't get over it. And He's right there. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is worthy. And then the rest of Revelation is crazy. Jesus starts popping off the seals and then like ridiculous things are happening that like there's, I don't understand. This is what Jesus looks like. This is the revelation that John has of Jesus. This is what a revelation looks like to see Jesus in full power and authority, to have the will of God handed over to him by God himself. He hands it over to him. And then Jesus does it. Jesus is completely worthy. And he starts popping these scrolls off. He is completely worthy. That is what Jesus looks like. The only one who will ever be worthy the one who has ransomed us by his own blood. By his own blood, he has ransomed sinners. He has paid this price himself personally. This isn't uh, somebody who's just getting something given to them. He has paid for it, and he's bearing the marks even now. Even now. Let's... uh, That's just what I wanted to go through tonight, which was the first part. Pursuing. Pursuing in prayer that you would receive this revelation, this spirit of wisdom. And then I wanted to paint a picture of how powerful Christ is and where He physically is in the authority that's been given to Him. The authority that's been given to Him. Next week we'll talk about how that authority, His placement in heaven, transfers to us. So if anything, if there's anything, any kind of application that I can try and give to you or or push you into, it is to heavily, deeply, purposefully pursue that this would happen. That there would be something inside of you that would change where you begin to see this perspective of where Jesus is and who you are in Him. And that He is inheriting us. That you'd have this revelation of His hope that your eyes wouldn't be so fixed on this world, that it be fixed on who Jesus is, what He has done, and more importantly, what He will do for the rest of time.